This is Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and today is a special day around here. The judge is letting you off probation? I only wish. No! (laughs) This week we are celebrating one year on the air. One year, and we have yet to be sued by anyone or, or fired. N- nobody. It's uh, it's it's surprising. Mind-boggling. I know. I'm Rick Cushman. I'm Paul Wagner. This is Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and today we are celebrating one year on the air. Mm. So we're going to take lots of questions from listeners, including a bunch we've answered in the past. We're going to see if we can get them right again or wrong. Or okay. right the first time. And we will, of course, <laughs> make fun of wine snobs because yes, that's will. what we do here. Stay with us. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and we are in a celebratory mood today because this is our one-year anniversary. We've been on the air one year. We were revisiting some of the best questions that we've been asked. Best one I've been asked recently is, how have you guys lasted one year on the air? Yeah, that's one we can't answer. It's, I think, negligence on the part of the radio station and, and all it the people crim- involved. Does criminal negligence? It's or? pretty darn. All right. It, nonetheless, uh, mystery or not, we have all kinds of stuff. We've, we're, we're, we're grouping our questions. Um, we've mm-hmm, got some mm-hmm. on wine miss. We've got we get we got we have become the the the, the arbiters of wine and relationships. Wine and relationships. That's Lord good. knows how that started, uh, and of course, making fun of wine snobs is what we do. And so we're going to start with questions about various forms of wine snobs. Cool. All right. This okay. Let's fir- start. This first one came from Katie Madden from Fresno. She is part of our Fresno enclave. If anybody's listened to us more than once, they know we yes. have a few friends down our there. Our friends we, in Fresno. And we appreciate it. She says, I was at a party, and one guy was holding his glass the entire time by the flat base. Is there a reason for that? Should I be careful not to hold it and get it too warm? The real reason for that is that once you pick up a glass and you hold it like that, there is no way you can put the glass back (laughs) down again because your finger's in the way. You're stuck. You're stuck. And you can't drink. And you can't really drink very easily, but you do look like an absolute flaming idiot. Yeah, that is the flaming idiot. There is, if you looked up in the dictionary, actually, in the wine dictionary, the flaming idiot wine hold, (laughs) this is it. It is... Look, if you're worried about the wine changing temperatures, holding the stem is going to be just good fine. Good yes, enough. and um, and, and it's, the funny part is, you and I have tasted wine with a thousand different winemakers and sommeliers. None of them hold no, the glass this no. way. It is only pretentious dubs. Yes, that it do is. This. Yeah, the, the right. It is. Uh, um, but what what I would suggest is you walk up and say, "Oh, how cute!" Now, how old were you when they told you to hold the wine? They taught you to <laughs> hold the wine glass that way, and just see what the answer is. Yes, yeah. Or in this case, you bring up, bring us up, and say, "We we said you're you know a pretentious what, dupe." You know what Rick and Paul said about people? <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. And I, you know, we've been there. I've been there. I've. Uh, it's usually when you see that guy at a party, he's usually wearing an ascot. You know, it's just. <laughs> That's right. It's uh, uh, That's right. All right. Uh, but yep. so, no, there is no reason. There was no reason. I think we got that one right last time, too. That's right. All right. This one came from Stephen Moss in Lodi. Mm-hmm. He said, we go tasting a lot. We took a tour a few weeks ago. There was one guy who wouldn't shut up. He kept asking about tiny details just to show he knew what the things were, and he kept talking over the guide. We've all been there. Great. We saw him later in another place lecturing everyone at that tasting bar. <laughs> what do you do with a jerk like that? Oh, man. I well, mean, violence is out of the question. We are, is we, it? Well, we are not going to recommend violence. Okay. However, right. you know, I think what you do is you get somebody 
next to this guy who's holding the glass by the base. <laughs> And you jostle him. <laughs> you jostle him. Just a little just, shove. You just, just a, come up behind him, and you just hit, you know, if you hit him in the funny bone right behind the elbow, yeah, there, that yeah. glass will, that yeah. wine will fly everywhere. Yeah, or on a, you know, just keep spilling them until it goes away. Yeah, I mean, the sad part is, the sad part is that in some ways it is the wineries, the, the tour guide's job to manage that. But at the same time, if the guy is a real jerk, the tour guide can't really ask him to leave. Yeah. And so the tour guide's put in an awkward position. All I can suggest is you go up to the tour guide and say, we'd really like to hear what you have to say. Is there a way that we could take a separate tour and maybe this gentleman could be escorted into the men's room where he can do whatever? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's a know, tough one. It's unfortunate, too, because you know how that starts. It starts with, you know, the tour starts and somebody asks a question and the tour right. guide's very happy to answer the question. Yes. And, you know, and so now this guy is encouraged. Well, but it's not just encouraged because this guy is clearly carrying a burden. Yeah. You know, I mean, Rick, you know a lot about wine. I know a lot about wine. And in most cases in a in a tasting we're not going to take over the conversation like this. We may ask a question or two just to sort of keep things moving along. But you know what? The rest of the people in that room, they're not there for this level of detail. They're in there for the show. Right, right. Well, you know, I was going to say that um, I I can't carry a burden. I'm not strong enough. (laughs) I just roll along beside me. Uh, But, you know. But this guy obviously has some issues. You know, I just recommend psychotherapy. Yeah, but. Seriously, when you're in a situation like that, I, I think, you know, it's asking a lot for somebody to say something to the guy. But I think that you can actually to the guide if you get the opportunities to say, look, I realize that this is not comfortable for you, but we're not. We're really dying over here. Can yeah. you tell that guy yeah. to? I mean, I, it, I, a similar situation, and you may have had this happen in some of the stuff you've done as a journalist, but I've been in a, I've been in a concert where one of the people sitting next to me wanted to let everybody know that he knew the music. Mm. So he decided he'd sing along. Oh, nice. And I eventually just leaned over and said, I paid really good money to hear the people up there sing, and I didn't pay it to hear you sing, and I'd like you to be quiet. And he was offended, and I didn't care, because then I got to hear the rest of the concert the way I wanted to hear it. Mm. Yeah. But it's the same scenario. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah. he's not doing it with anybody's thought except he wants everybody to know that he knows the music. Right, 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 right. You know, if you want to sing, get up on stage. Otherwise, sit down and shut up. Yeah, yeah. Although if you, some people, they would get up on stage. No. <laughs> right. This one came from Suzanne Garcia in San Francisco, and we liked Suzanne a lot. Uh, and this is a different kind of thing, but it's. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I, I thought this just the other day. She wrote, Why is it that in every picture I see of wine professionals, particularly sommeliers, they're dressed like stiff hedge fund wannabes, especially the guys? They have tight, overdone suits and ties. They're always holding a glass of wine and giving it a look like it's the Rosetta Stone. I don't want advice from those guys. I don't want to talk to those guys. That's a great, great comment because actually most of the sommeliers I know do not dress like that. Um, But they don't take themselves quite so seriously. I mean, part of it, part of it, I, I want to defend the photo a little bit. A lot of times those sommeliers don't get to pick the photo. A lot of times the photographer shows up and says, it's my yes. job. Smell the glass. Yeah, it's yeah, my yeah. job to take a photograph of the sommelier. What is he going to do? Here, let's give him a glass of wine, tell him to stick his nose in the glass and let him stare at the glass. That's I, I was in Spain a while back and talking about how to talk about wine and how to, how to make wine come to life for people. And the photographer said, well, we'd like some pictures of you, you know, smelling the wine. I said, you know what? I'm not going to take that picture. Right. Because I've been there too many times. It's a stupid picture. But I'll tell you what, what I've been here talking about in Spain is the fact that every wine has a story to tell. So instead of sticking my nose in the glass, I'm going to hold the glass up to my ear. 
and hear what it has to say. <laughs> there you go. And you go. know what? That's the picture they used on the front of the magazine. Yeah, that's a funny picture, too. And that's the point. You know, the other thing is, too, and, and Suzanne is, is that always drives me a little nuts, too, is they never smile. Oh, yeah. They're, you know, because if they are Because wine is nothing. Oh, That's no, right. Wine is nothing to have a fun no, with. No, no. I, I never drink it for, to have a good time. <laughs> Certainly not. It is. Um, what a bad idea that is. But, it, you know, and yeah, it, it, uh, it's it's a long, complicated trail to get to to have gotten to that point. But it's, it is particularly the young ones, too, is where they feel like they take themselves too they, seriously. They need to show up. Looking, and she's right. Yeah. I mean, she's right. If you get a sommelier like that, nobody wants to talk to them because they're not very fun people and somebody needs to pull them around the back of the restaurant and say your job is to make people feel good and after that they can go back out on the floor and see how that works but they need to take a whole different attitude and so I I understand what she's saying don't necessarily blame the sommelier for the photo because the photo is probably directed by an editor or something but do blame a sommelier. And I got to tell you, somebody shows up with one of those stupid test fans around his ah. neck, you know, on the chain. I'm going to run. Well, we have another question uh, where you can blame the, this sommelier. And he probably chose the picture. This is also from somebody in San Francisco. This is Olivia. So apparently there's a handful of them down there. We were out to dinner at a fairly decent restaurant where the wine guy was overdressed. <laughs> okay. That's never been he said re- of us. He seemed really nice, though, until I said I like wine that's smooth. He kind of gave me grief. Like, what did I mean? And I said, you know, smooth, not hard to drink. He didn't look, he didn't look happy. We, got, we ended up getting a Pinot Noir I really like. But what was up with him? What's wrong with smooth? Yeah, because smooth, the problem with smooth is that smooth is not one of the words that the quartermaster sommelier exactly uses right. in their exam, <laughs> and he didn't know what it meant. Yeah, and, and, and the truth of it is there are, you know, uh, I've been through not the quartermaster sommeliers, but a whole bunch of other those kinds of tests. Yeah. And in prepping for the test, they give you a whole list of words that you are, that they would yeah, and consider it's an extensive as good words. Yes, and it smooth is, isn't on Smooth it. is not on them because no, but it, the funny thing, very long To me, list. the funny thing is... She got the wine she wanted. The guy knew. Right. Because he knew what smooth meant because he got her a nice, I'm assuming soft, Pinot Noir. Exactly right. Which is exactly the right wine for someone who wants a smooth wine. Why does he have to make her feel bad about ordering it? You know, it is that thing. We we, we answer a lot of questions like this, and it, it is this thing where... They don't get that way with food. Nobody gets that way with food. They don't say, you know, you're getting the chicken. The trout Actually, is so much better. I'm going to say they do a little bit well, because go into a nice restaurant and ask for ketchup on your steak. Well, and that's then, a different oh, thing, but it's but but you're not ordering a menu item. You know, I mean, the other the other question is sort of this: if they don't want you to order a wine, then don't do. then don't put it on the menu. <laughs> <laughs> Seems simple enough. Yeah, although if they don't want you to order a wine, what are they doing owning a restaurant? Right, but I that's mean, the true. whole point is you're supposed to give wines that people want to order. So actually, if they don't want you ordering a wine, you can ask act like that sommelier in. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> right. Yes. All right. We have uh, we have a whole bunch more questions. So, Olivia, you were right. Smooth is a good word. The sommelier is an idiot. I'm glad you got the wine you wanted. And I would send a note back to the manager saying, what is it with this guy that he thinks that smooth wine is something that you should make fun of your diners for? Well, and smooth is something else. It's Rick and Paul. (laughs) Okay, maybe not. This is Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, however. <laughs> and if I, can reco- if I can get Paul to recover, we will answer some of our best questions that connect wine and relationships when we come right back. Lock up the kids and stay with us.
You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. A reminder, if you'd like to ask us a question, you can go to rickandpaulwine.com. All one word, Rick and Paul Wine. And don't forget, you can also look for us on iTunes and subscribe for free. And just a little tiny bitty click. We are celebrating being on the air for a year. Uh, we are both happy and shocked, and as is any, anyone else who knows us each as of, well. Each of us is holding a glass of wine with a candle in it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, and if you're new to us, by the way, and, and you're wondering where a year of good radio went, um, <laughs> yeah, well, you can go back to iTunes and, and find us, or on our website, as we just said, rickandpaulwine.com. Uh, they're mm-hmm. all cached there. Mm-hmm. You may also be wondering what qualifies us to be answering questions, Paul. Well, um, we got any idea? We know what smooth means That's when somebody true. asks there us you if go. they want a smooth wine. That is something. And of course, Rick has written a best-selling New York Times bestseller on the wine business. Uh, consults with wineries, consults with restaurants, and is a wine combinator for Capital Public Radio. And Paul is a respected industry pro, or he was until he started doing the show. <laughs> he answers questions at allexperts.com. He uh, teaches at Napa Valley College, at Culinary Institute of America, all over the planet, actually. And uh, and he can handle some of these questions. Because uh, I'm smooth. He is smooth. However, <laughs> somehow we managed to end up being relationship advisors, too. We've had some questions. we're about, smooth. We are the dear Abbeys of wine. So uh, <laughs> here's one that we got from Susan Nguyen in Fremont. She Good. Said, <laughs> I liked her question. The way she asked it. I heard your show, so I figure you guys can answer a question about immature men. <laughs> my, uh, she's got us right. My husband refuses to ask for help with a wine list or in a store, and sometimes he gets some pretty crummy wine. What can I tell him? Yeah, well, you know, if he's not going to ask for directions in a gas station, he probably won't ask for it in a wine shop either. That's yeah. a problem, huh? Yeah. Um, if he's the guy who's going to do it, you got to work with him, Susan, but I, I, I'm, I'm not sure how you break him of the habit unless you were to go into the wine shop someday, have a serious conversation with the wine guy there, come home with a couple of really good bottles, and tell there your you husband, go. well, you know, I was talking to Marco. It, sh- it should be. It yeah, should be oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it should be Monaco. It should be it, Sven. It shouldn't just be Bob or Larry. No, yeah. So a foreign. He's always better if he's Talking some, some with foreign Monaco, guy. Yeah. And he recommended a couple of wines that were really good. Yeah. And then the next time he goes in, maybe maybe your guy's going to go talk to Marco, or maybe he's going to start shopping at a different store. Yeah. You know, and uh, I mean, that is a tough one, too. And it is, uh, I mean, I, I think you, I think you, the way to do it, by the way, is, is, is if when he starts poking around, you go ask questions. Well, it wouldn't Even it be fun? If you're wouldn't in there it be with fun them, yeah. to go in the two of them and say, "Okay, honey, you pick three bottles, and then I'm going to go talk to Marco, and we're going to pick three bottles, and we'll take them home and see which ones we like better." Yeah, and then whoever wins gets to do all the wine choosing. Although she may not want to, but yeah, 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 guys, guys, <laughs> I'm telling you, you don't hear this problem with women, and you know we we are being sexist in I hope uh, accurately <laughs> accurate ways. I don't know any women who had this issue where they don't want help from the wine professional. No, although, you know, it's funny that Other I, once, they are I once saw an absolutely wonderful, wonderful study in which um, they, uh, they walked down the street asking for directions. They were asking for directions to a place that did not exist. 
and something like 70% I've seen this study of as you all said the men this. yes gave them an answer yes. Yes. told them how to get there yes. the place did not exist yeah. but the men couldn't say they didn't know yeah. so it's kind of like people asking us questions it's what we just we continue to answer them well here's another relationship <laughs> question that we we answered okay um, this one came from Carrie in Roseville mm-hmm. she says so I, she said so I invite my boyfriend over for dinner and he says he wants to bring the wine right sounds a little bit like um yeah, uh, like, uh, that's fine. Susan, that's a nice he says, shot. Uh, he shows up with two-buck Chuck. Should I just dump him now? And my answer to that question is an unequivocal, unequivocal yes. I th- well, I, I think so too, but for a different, we might, maybe for the same reason. I think for the same reason. And yours is? The guy went into the store and bought the cheapest wine in the store and brings it to your house. And all I got to say is, you know what? If that's what he's going to bring to your house as a gift, what's he going to do the rest with the rest of his life? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of there with you on that. I think that uh, it's also a thing where he's bringing the wine. He's, you know, he's, he wants I'm, I'm to. in charge. Yeah, yeah. So and he's, then he brings the cheapest so wine in the house. I think that, uh, Carrie, I think he thinks he can just, you know, he can put one over on you. He, you know, he says he's going to, he's kind of, Pretend that he's a wine snob, but he's going for the cheap junk. I say, you know, get a guy who uh, who says you bring the wine. <laughs> well, wines. no, I think the answer to this one is the next time it happens, Carrie looks at it and says, wow, two bucks, big spender. <laughs> and just leave it at that. Yeah, you, you need somebody new, Carrie. This guy isn't the right guy for you. Yep, yep, I think we're there on that. All right. Uh, here's here's another one. Uh, this was an, uh, from this was from Erica Tyler in Los Gatos. Uh huh. Okay. You notice how a lot of the times when they ask us questions, they're vaguely insulting when they. <laughs> no, some of them aren't vaguely. Well, some of them are just out and out insulting. Not that I can blame them. I'm not. Say, I'm just saying they've actually been paying attention. That's right. They must have heard the show. <laughs> That's right. This was from Erica. I heard you guys stumble around on relationship questions, so <laughs> I have another go. one. I met a guy a couple of weeks ago, and he seems decent enough. We went out to dinner, and he took forever, like forever, to order the wine. We ended up with some kind of Napa cab. It was fine. Is he going to be a problem? Oh, yeah. I don't think so. You don't think he's going to be a no, problem? No, see, here, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote in favor of this guy. Mm, okay. Because I think he sweated over it because he really cares about her. Ah. Ooh. And he wanted to pick something good. And you know what? If you don't know what to do on a wine list and it's somebody that you care about, Napa cabs are not cheap. And True. he went for a bottle that he thought, you know what? This is going to hurt a lot. He may have had to go to the restroom briefly to check exactly how much money he had in his wallet. <laughs> but he came out and he ordered her a nice bottle of Napa Cab. And I got to say, Erica, give this guy at least a chance to show you that he's he's not a bad guy. Because that struck me as being a, a good solution to that. Usually that's the other way around. Usually I'm the one that has a, a, gives a little more forgiving of, of somebody in a, in a relationship. But in this case, I think I think the problem is not that. I think the problem is that... He's going to be that guy that just takes forever, like forever, to order wine all the time. I just, well, you know, maybe. And, you know, and so I think he may end up being a bit like uh, Susan's husband and not asking for, for instructions. Yeah, but at least this guy him. ended up with a. He ended up with a good Napa cab that she liked. Bottle, yeah, top yeah. bottle of wine. Yeah, so, so, you know, yeah, if he takes a long yeah. time and ends up with that all the time, so, you're going to be okay. All right. So, here's we're going to combine our answers for, for what may actually be a good one, which is that. Um, if this guy really does care and he's I mean, he's really going top end and he's trying then and you keep your eye out for that sort of thing. If he's just one of these guys that is showing off about how carefully he reads the wine list, the guy's going to have other issues, too. He's got uh, he's he's carrying baggage. 
And in that case, of course, he, he may just need glasses. He, or he could, you he know, could need, there's and no. to be can I just go on a small rant here? The restaurants <laughs> where the light is so low that even with glasses, I can't read the damn menu. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not that old anymore, but it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you need to get that cell phone app uh, with the an, flashlight. And, 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 and doesn't yeah. that add yeah. to the romance yeah. of, your, oh, of I, the room? Oh, when, sure. You, well, everybody else has their cell phone <laughs> out. Why, why, why not you? Uh, yeah. All right, Unclear this, on the concept. So this is another good story that you and I disagreed on, um, uh, and I think we didn't help anybody. This was um, this was from Giles in San Mateo. Yes. This was his story. A friend gave me a bottle of wine that I put in the fridge for say to save her when she came over. We so c- friend. Well, I think he. I think you know clearly more than a friend. Uh, we kind of stopped seeing each other, so seeing each other, uh, and then we started again, and she came over. It's been six months, and I still had that wine in the fridge. Yeah. She asked if it was the same bottle, like that was a really bad thing. And I said, no, like, you know, you don't think I'm an idiot. And I told her I had just gotten it for her. She bought that. She kind of liked the idea. So is it bad to leave wine in the fridge for a long time? Yes. Yes. And I think I think you missed reading this situation here. I think if you had told. Yes, it is. First, let's answer that question. Yeah, because the vibration, you know, it's just not a good thing for the wine. It's going to be it's going to be it's like you have a sauce. It's slowly getting shook around. That's right. It's slowly separating in there. Yep. So that's that's the thing. That's why don't leave wine in a fridge a long time. Yeah. And that's really the answer. You know, you, you hear that a lot. And some people worry about the cold. And I don't think that's the best for it either for six months. But the vibration is much worse. And really really storing wine someplace not vibrating is particularly bubbly. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Now, here's the second thing. We only have a couple of minutes to do this. So let's let's disagree as we had in the past. I think that if you had told her I was hoping you'd come back. And I was just hanging out just on the on the off chance. Yeah, that seems just a little desperate and a little bit Yeah, but that's how I live my life, so creepy, I think it's totally Rick, fine. <laughs> I'd rather, I think he handled it perfectly. Yeah? I think he handled it perfectly. You say, no, I, I got the bottle because I really care. I really wanted to have a wine that, that meant something to us again. Well, yeah, now you've— But the you've, fact that I've saved this bottle in my underwear drawer until you can— That's just a little well, too creepy Well, it wasn't the underwear drawer. It was refrigerator. And, you know, yeah, otherwise you're, you're building yeah. a relationship on a lie, I think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some point there's going to come a time, it's going to come time um, when he's she's going to ask, honey, yeah. did you really go out and buy that wine? Uh, yeah, yeah. And he's going to say, yeah, but by that point they're beyond the small talk, and then it doesn't matter so much. But to tell somebody you've been hanging onto a bottle for six months, no, that's well, just yeah, a little desperate to me. I don't think six months. If it was three years, I'd be nervous. <laughs> but six months, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, the other question is, in six months, he hasn't had a reason to open a bottle of wine that's been in the fridge? There's, I mean, that's sad. Well, no, that's, he had other wine go, this is what he tells her, I had other wines going through there, you know, but I thought that one, I just, I'm not going to, you know, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for you. We're going to, we're going to open oh that one together. Oh yeah. All right. Well, well uh, all right. I have one, one very quickly. This was from Janine Liu in San Francisco. The guy at the tasting room kept talking about R.S., my boyfriend and I just nodded. I kept elbow him to ask, but he ignored me. What's RS? Does it matter? And do you have any exercises for my elbow so I can hurt him more? Okay. So RS is residual sugar. Yeast eats the sugar in a wine, and if you and f- that's what causes fermentation. And when the yeast eats the sugar, it creates carbon dioxide bubbles, heat, and alcohol. If you kill the yeast... Before it's consumed all the sugar, that leaves some sugar still in the wine. Residual sugar, R.S. Yeah. And that's usually, that's you know, that's when the wine is a little bit sweet. Little bit that's sweet. what they mean. It's got some R.S. Yeah. Now, so, yeah. 
in terms of elbows, take a step a little further back and don't try to be polite about it, but really lean into it and make sure your elbow is fully extended before you hit him because otherwise you're getting the side of the arm, but you want right at the point of the elbow into the ribs and you should be good to go there. Well, I think the other thing you can do is you want him to ask the question. You can sort of ask the question out loud. You could say to your boyfriend. Yes. You say, uh, let's just call Honey, him t- what's RS? Yes. T- I don't know what that RS, uh, boyfriend, honey. Do, do you know what RS is or should you ask the nice man? <laughs> Put it on him. That's what I say. Yeah, that's it. All right. Well, I think that if we didn't ruin any relationship the first time through with most of those, we we ruined did them it again. This time. We have plenty more questions coming up in the second half of the show when we celebrate our one year on the air. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Stay with us. listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. We are celebrating our one-year anniversary of being on the air by answering some of our best questions again. That you may be asking, are we using our best answers? Yeah, no, no, we haven't got any. We don't, we don't really have any best answers. Uh, but we do have some really good questions. So this next batch of questions is about some of the myths and silly conventions around wine, which good. we, you and I are not big on silly conventions. We're just, we, we're, we're just more silly. general silliness. Just I generally think. silly. Yeah, that's where we go. Right. Okay. Yeah. This one comes from uh, Anne DeVigo in Sacramento. She says, mm-hmm. I'm a committed shard drinker, but these days I sometimes feel like the woman with the beehive hairdo. My sons and son-in-law are beer drinkers. My girlfriends drink mojitos, and my husband alternates between martinis and Merlot. Are white wine drinkers an endangered species? Actually, the single most popular wine in America today is exactly what Anne's drinking. You sell more Chardonnay than any other wine in America. So you are not a threatened species. You are not an endangered species, and In fact, you are normal. It's those people you're hanging out with that are bizarre and unusual. Yeah, you know, there is this thing in the wine world. It is like this with any world, which is that, you know, whatever's really popular loses the coolness factor pretty quick. Well, but she's not even hanging out with people who drink wine. That's true. Yeah. Well, you know, I... I've stopped drinking mojitos. I'm I've moved on, <laughs> so there you go. No, the, yeah. but white wine is still a hugely popular wine. In, Number one know, wine in, in, in America, Chardonnay, yeah. and yeah. and actually probably throughout the world is Chardonnay. Yeah, it so. is, uh, and so it, it's not going anywhere. Um, and uh, you know, beer when the beer drinkers stop drinking beer and they move to wine, that's probably what they're going to start drinking. There you go. Yeah. So all right, next one from Alonzo Young in San Francisco. A couple of my friends say you should never order the cheapest wine in a restaurant because it's usually pretty bad. And I have another friend who says the second cheapest wine is the worst, and they just put it at that price point because they know you won't order the cheapest. <laughs> oh, the manipulations. Are they right, or do I need new friends? He needs new friends. Yeah, smarter friends for sure, Alonzo. Because um, I can't think of a single restaurant on the planet that says, oh, let's buy bad wine and then sell it to people because somehow that's going to be a good idea. There is so little bad wine in the market these days. You have to actually – I mean, you know, you judge wine competitions, as do I. I mean, it's one out of 20. Uh, The the second one is always the worst. (laughs) 
So, so there aren't bad wines. His friends are assuming somehow that these restaurants are buying a bunch of bad wine. I don't know or why. Or cheap wine and, and, and turning a larger profit. But the truth of it is they can make a, turning a profit with very good wine. If you're comfortable ordering a wine off the list, you ought to be comfortable ordering just about any of the wines off the list. And if you can't trust a restaurant to have good wines on the list, I'd pick a different restaurant or I'd pick different friends yeah, here. Yeah, that's actually a huge point. And, you know, the, especially these days, if you're going to any kind of restaurant with any kind of a wine program, you know, and the guy, as one of our earlier questions said, the guy that's overdressed in the too tight suit, right? You know, that's not a guy that's going to have a wine on that list that, that he or she does not does not want to talk about or is right. proud that it's there. Right. Now, I have eaten at a couple of restaurants where the where the um, wine wasn't great, but when that happened, I um, decided pretty much I wasn't going back to that restaurant because a restaurant that would serve you a bad wine, I don't want to know what's going on in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been in uh, plenty of restaurants where they don't want to have me in the restaurant, but that's for they're, good they're, reason. They're proud of all of the for a good wine, reason. So, yeah. It's that old thing about yeah. drinking straight yeah. from the bottle again, right? Yeah. Well, that's you probably shouldn't do that. Remember in the restaurant. stemware? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Use the stemware. Got it. Got it. All right. The next one is from Lily Enright in San Francisco. Uh, she's actually a friend of mine, and uh, and she uh, she searched me out to ask this question. Yeah. It was a simple one. Do I have to smell the cork? No, the no, answer is no. Of course not. In fact, you, there's nothing. There's no re, you, that cork. When they when they deliver you the cork, here's what you do with it. Well, you own it, so you can put it in your pocket. Or if you like cork, you can put salt and pepper on it. But I uh, guess. But uh, I'm saying if you like cork, if you happen to be a cork eater, <laughs> there aren't many of those around. No, but I'm just not. saying in case you yeah. are. However, for anyone else who is not a cork eater, the there's nothing that you're going to get from the cork that you wouldn't get from the wine. Although uh, there is one, I, I heard a story just the other day. A gentleman came into a restaurant, this was told to me by somebody with an extremely famous and extremely expensive bottle of wine, and handed it to the sommelier, said, decant it, bring it to the table. The sommelier pulled the cork, and the name on the cork was not the same as the name of the wine. That's when you—well, that goes back to the reason why they show you the cork in the first place. And the sommelier did something very clever. He went directly to the table and very quietly, apart so that no one else at the table could hear, he whispered in the gentleman's ear, I just want to tell you that when I pulled the cork out, the name on the cork was different than the name on the label. Yeah. Now, if I own the bottle and I've brought that bottle because it's a really special bottle that I'm going to share with a bunch of friends and it's a fraud, which is almost certainly the case in this scenario, uh, then it's the, what the sommelier was saying is I'll play it any way you want. If you want right. to go ahead and pour right. the wine and we'll all pretend that everything is hunky-dory and nobody knows anything, that's fine. But if it were me, I'd put this cork right back in this bottle. I'd take it right back to where I bought it, and I'd say, boys, we got a problem, and you owe me some money. Yeah. Well, and that gets back to the reason why that, that whole cork thing is there in the first place. Right. It, you know, for years and years, you know, it used to be if you went to restaurants, which really didn't start until the 1700s, is that you would uh, there would be a, a big keg for the house wine, but they would right. have their good wines, too. And uh, and occasionally what they would do is take those more expensive wines after they were used and, right. and fill, fill the them up with a keg. Up. And sell, yep. sell it to you for a whole lot more. Yep. And so the, the Chateaus, because this was really in France when this all started, was they figured out that the thing to do was to put their name on the cork. 
Right. And, and that is and put sim- the cork in the bottle and put so the cork that in the nobody bottle. could mess it. So now yep. there's no way of messing with it. And so when they present you the wine, they also present you with a cork to right. show exactly right. that. That is, uh, this is the first I've heard of this a story like this. In a, really, a, outside yeah. of the absolute frauds, and yep. actually some of the the absolute frauds out there, they 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 were copying the corks. Yeah. But now, uh, interesting. Um, going back to her question, though, the, the the reason people suggest you smell the cork is that. There are some elements uh, of a of the cork production that can produce a problem that would appear in the wine. But of course, if it doesn't affect the wine, who cares what the cork right. smells like? So you like? just smell the wine, you taste smell the wine. The wine. That's, and that's what you're doing. The wine when smells you're tasting. good. You drink the wine. The wine yes. doesn't smell good. You don't drink, and you don't need to mess with the cork. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, all right. Here's another uh, about convention. Uh, well, or something. Um, this was from another of our regular listeners down in Fresno, Jill McCarthy. She was actually our first regular listener. We need to give her props. She for that. may still be our only. I, she may still, if, <laughs> if she even listens anymore. But that's uh, right. Um, I, we should check back in. She says sometimes I get headaches from drinking wine, and no jokes about moderation, please. Uh-huh. What's worse, red or white? I hear people say it's the sulfites, but you guys say it's not. It's not. Yeah, it's not. So we need to reiterate. You know, sulfite allergies are very rare, and if you do have one, it's respiratory. Right. It is not a headache. That's right. Hives so, and difficulty breathing, yeah. but not a headache. So yeah, uh, that is is never going to be the problem. Um, however, there are they've they've identified as many as two hundred compounds in wines that people can be allergic to that could cause headaches. Although the primary culprit in most cases. Um, the medical profession agrees that it's histamines. Yes. And histamines come from, the, I mean, it's a natural product. Antihistamines you take because of allergies in the air. Tannins are actually a version of them. Right. And red wines have more histamines than white wines. Right. So often coming from the barrels and from the stems, stems and, and all and the those seeds things. And like, the skins. Yeah. Now, there's other things too. And sometimes, sorry, Jill, it could be the, the alcohol. Yep. But it's not the sulfites. And the histamines, what we are not recommending is that you take an antihistamine and then drink wine. Uh, not even a daytime antihistamine, even if uh, somebody on the show has tried it and and it worked. Um, but it's just, I'm just going to say, are not medical doctors. Yes, uh, We've been on the air for a year, yes, and we're not going yes, off the air for giving medical advice. One of the, one, and we said this before; we will say it again. Here's the two things that you should never take from us: is Financial advice and medical advice, <laughs> or really money, because really can't any a check. Whatsoever. You shouldn't take a check from us too, because <laughs> it's going to probably bounce. But that's it. But in any case, uh, so we're not saying that. Um, here's here's a uh, one that we, that we get a little bit, uh, um, and it, actually it's two from the same person, and uh, I'm going to get to both of them uh, in one, which was he said. Um, it's Casey and Riverside. So mm-hmm, one of those mm-hmm. icicle-looking things I see on a cork. My friend said it means the wine spoiled or gone bad. Is that true? And then he also asked, is it okay to drink a wine that's gone bad? So those icicle things is a simple one. There, yes. There's something called tartaric acid, yep. which is actually what they make cream of tartar out of. It is. It's just a natural occurring uh, acid that it comes is. out in the process of winemaking. Yep. It's, it's totally it, harmless. It is, in fact, how when the archaeologists dig up 6,000-year-old pots, they know that they were used for wine because there are still traces of tartaric acid in the pots, and you can only get tartaric acid from grapes. Yeah, and it's the, so, and they look cool. They actually look cool, but yeah. it means— and, Easy way to tell that they're they're tartrate crystals and not something else. Put them on a plate, 
roll them underneath your fingernail. They are softer than your fingernail, which I think in the more score of hardness is like a one or a two. It's very soft. Is, is there a score of hardness? There is a score I, of hardness. I did not and know diamonds that. are, of course, very, very hard. And these crystals are very, very soft. Your heart, Paul, is, is way up there. Right, at, right next to my fingernails. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but drink, drinking bad wine, well, no. Uh, it tastes crummy, but a wine that's gone quote unquote bad, it's either going to have been oxidized or right. you know, turned into vinegar. I mean, all of those things. However, that... the two elements that it will always have is at least 10 or 12% alcohol and a fairly high acid, which means that basically no human pathogens can live in that stuff. So may turn to vinegar, may not taste good, but it probably won't hurt you. Yeah. And, you know, if you want to freak your friends out, you can tell them um, when, when the next time they see that wine, something like that, you can say, you know, I've heard this stuff is, it can be poisonous. It's like blowfish. If they do it correctly, it tastes great. Let me try it. And then, and then you, you, yeah. you, you, you. Yeah, see how that works. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, all right. Uh, we, are, we have a whole bunch more questions to get to in, uh, in our, our fourth half of the show, our fourth quarter of the show, of course. I'm stealing from the brilliant bottle, uh, car talk voice when I say that. Um, you are listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Uh, don't forget, you can find us on iTunes and subscribe for free. We will have more questions and some actual useful information when we come right back. Stay with us. You're listening to the Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. We are celebrating our one-year anniversary, Paul. One year of being on the air. That's right. And That's right. I feel like a one-year-old. Yes. Well, I've been called that more than <laughs> once, actually. Uh, especially when they see my eating habits. <laughs> um, but we are celebrating by revisiting some of our best questions from listeners. And we have a few more. And these involved what we like to think of as useful information. We actually know information that's useful. Not really. No, but, I didn't think so. But we, we tried to answer them anyway. Okay. So what do you th got? this question came from yet another loyal listener. This is Tracy Strong in Sacramento. Mm -hmm. She says, can you return a corked bottle of wine to a supermarket? Yes, you can. So, and remember what we're talking about, cork bar, we just talked about how, what, why you're tasting the wine and that it's, you know, if there's something wrong with it, and often there's a bacteria, not often, on a rare occasion nowadays, right. um, a bacteria where, or, or the act, wine actually, could. Actually, in the interest of providing useful information, I will point out that it's a mold, not a bacteria. That's true. Fair enough. Yep. Um, and, or, or the wine could have oxidized some, or there could have been some storage problems, whatever they are. But if you get, you can, however, we did actually, I checked in with uh, our, my friend, our uh, occasional contributor, Hank Beal of the mm -hmm. Nugget Markets, and right. this is what he says. Absolutely, we can take a bottle back if the guest says it's not good. We do like to see most of the wine left in the bottle. Right. So you drank, know, don't, don't, drank all but the last three drops, and then said, "You know, this I don't think this yeah. isn't this isn't a tasting yeah. as good as when uh, I first uh, opened it." Hank says with a smile, "If the wine's bad, they probably don't need to drink the entire bottle to figure it out." <laughs> the one the one thing he does say though is you do need your receipt, like with anything else. Sure. So you know that's that's always a little bit of an issue, but if it's an expensive bottle of wine, yep. you know, take it around. All right. This one came from Vincent Snow in Fort Bragg. Mm -hmm. This is a good question. Up on the coast. What is which is worth for your teeth, red or white wine, and can you do anything to protect them? The wines or the teeth? Uh, well, yeah, you can protect your wine, Vincent, <laughs> by putting it in a, a wine cooler. Sending oh, it to yeah, Rick yeah. Cushman. Yes, at, yes, I'll hang on for you. I'll, that's right. He'll you, take um, very good care yeah. of it. Uh, your teeth—that's another issue. Sorry. You're, um, you're I done. can tell you what looks worse on your teeth. 
which is red wine yeah. looks worse on your teeth than white wine. Because if you drink enough red wine, and p- particularly young red wine, as we often do when we're judging competitions and we drink 30, 40, 50 glasses of red wine before lunch, or at least taste them. Taste them. Um, our lips are black, our tongue is black, our teeth are black, and everyone says, gosh, you look ever so attractive. Yeah, you know what's a funny thing is he realizes, so you've got, you may have in some of the larger contests, competitions, maybe 80 people walking around. Right. And the 79 that any one of us can see all have, you know, uh, blue faces and black teeth, <laughs> and yet we forget that we look that, that way, That we too. look that way. Yeah, <laughs> yes. and then we smile at someone yes. and they look Yeah, and then if, you're, you're running in the restroom yep. and you go, oh, dear God, and I was walking around like that. So, uh, so but in, that's, in terms of that's color. That's an appearance issue. In terms of, yeah, in terms of, but however, for actual, the structural damage, what the damage that wine does to your teeth is from the acidity. And white wine has higher acidity yeah. than red wine. Yeah. So technically, although it's not a huge difference, technically white wine is probably worse for your teeth. Now, when you judge a wine competition, or I judge a wine competition, one of the things you want to do when you finish that competition, your mouth is black, your tongue is stained, your teeth are stained, and you want I to— I know, I know. Have a beer. Well, what you want to do is run to your hotel room and brush your teeth. And no, 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 no. That's exactly right. Um, it's not good. Because that stuff is on your teeth. Yes. And so you've got acid on your teeth, and if you take a toothbrush and— You're basically you, etching your teeth. You're etching deeper. your teeth. Yeah. And so so, so the, drink water. Drink water, rinse your mouth as much as you can, and wait at least an hour before you brush your teeth. And then go swimming. No, that's a different no, thing. No, I think Food, you— it's, That's you know, right. Yeah, it's never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Although I am, I am also convinced that beer is a good cleanser, but that's just— it, uh, yeah, yeah, yes. yes. All right. Yes. Um, and so, not high in acid, yeah. so I'm I'm sold. And there are, by the way, there are some uh, some toothpaste that they have. You know, the, uh, the enamel. There's pro enamel, whatever it is, where they have some enamel replacement. Right. I also been told by my dentist that uh, anytime any toothpaste with with high in fluoride will also help. Some. Although I've been told by dentists in Napa that they can tell just by looking in the mouth who, who works it, in the wine in the industry, industry yeah. and who does not. Yeah. 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 Usually because they're drunk when they come in. <laughs> I think could be part of the problem. All right, this one came from Julie Bailey in Walnut Creek, and we ta- we get this kind of question a lot. She was right to the point. When I don't finish a bottle of wine, what's the best way to store it? Well, now, Rick, I don't think you're qualified I, to answer this. I, question. I I I don't even understand the question. <laughs> it just seems it's beyond me. Wait a minute, just don't finish the bottle. No, okay. Seriously, seriously. Um, I've said this before. I actually did a story on this, and and so I am convinced this is the best ways. Okay. I what I did was I had uh, a, a handful of bottles of the same white wine and a handful of bottles of the same red wine. Mm-hmm. Um, in theory, I poured out half of each. Poured out half of each. Uh, <laughs> I got them down to half. Uh, <laughs> might have had a little help. Uh, and then I stored them a couple of different ways. Right. Really, the easiest, most conventional way. So I put the cork back in the, uh, the each of you know, and in the refrigerator, not in the refrigerator. Right. I and also. On the Got, I, and I have one of those. They're very inexpensive, and for a lot of people who who, um, who like wine, they get these where you pump the air out. Right, you and pump the air out, or there's the private preserve, the little the gas can thing. of gas that you. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't do in. that one because that just seemed a little bit, a uh, little too much. It's. I'd yeah. be afraid. I would. You know, Although I'm, I put an eye out think or something. What I the the. The research I've read shows that those gas things work a little better than pumping the I'm, air out. I imagine they would. I think that this principle would still hold. So we had cork 
and on the and counter, in the fridge, on the counter or for, for each of them. Out. Yes, and I actually tried this again a couple different ways, and, and yep. was confirmed was that I thought the whites actually kept more liveliness by putting the cork in by not pumping the air out mm-hmm. in the fridge. In mm-hmm. the fridge, mm-hmm. I thought the reds stayed the best. Um, by pumping the air out, but putting them in the fridge, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is often what restaurants don't do. They they pump the air out, or and then they, they leave the wine out. Yeah, they yeah. leave the wine out. And and I've tried it a couple of different times over the years since I did that story. Um, and and I still I still stand by those results. Those are my two favorite ways. Ron Wiegand, who's a master of wine and a master sommelier at the same time, did research on this years ago, and he told me that he was absolutely convinced. Two things: number one, follow your advice. But instead of just leaving the half bottle, get a couple of half bottles. Buy a couple of half bottles of wine and drink them. Now you've got an empty half bottle sitting around the house. When you have a half bottle left over, you pour the wine into the half bottle, cork that, and it lasts a lot longer because there's a lot less air in it. And he said... Toss it in the freezer. Well, but that's that's more long term storage. Whereas somebody's gonna gonna have it the next day. Right. Um, I'm not sure that you know just more thaw time. But but yeah, if it's if you if you're waiting even till the weekend, say this is a Tuesday night, you're not opening right. it again until until uh, Saturday. The yep. freezer seems like a really good. good on good the other hand, at our house, we put a cork in it, leave it on the counter, and we probably drink it the next day, and it's probably fine. Well, I, uh, I'm i going to go back to my approach. Just Which is not having any leftover. Don't leave any extra wine sitting That's around. Right. Just drink it, aren't they? That's right. All right. So we had another question from Jill McCarthy. Uh, and, and since she is our, our first regular and we are celebrating our one-year anniversary, she gets two questions. But it was also yes. a really right-to-the-point question that we get asked a lot. She said, what kind of wine should I use to cook with when a recipe asks for a dry white? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So first off, I'd say go with a white. <laughs> right. Uh, nope. yeah, you know, I, you're going to get into trouble. Yeah. She's going to stop listening to this show <laughs> yeah, if you do sorry, stuff Jill. like that. Uh, um, uh, yeah. And it, what they're really, any, almost any basic white wine will do here. What they don't want you to use is a very sweet wine with a lot of sugar. But frankly, anything that's sold as table wine in the U.S. that's white wine will work in this scenario. You may look at the at the uh, recipe and decide whether you want something that's more aromatic, like a muscat. You can get dry muscats. Um, or you might want something that really doesn't have much character at all and just buy a, you know one of the uh, inexpensive blended jug white wines. Or, but, or listen to us. But it's the no and, character joke. And no character at all. Yes. That's yes. right. Yes. Um, That's right. But almost any wine that you would buy as a table wine will work in the dry white recipe. Or you could go to my house. Don't go to Rick's house because it won't be there. But my house almost always has a bottle sitting on the counter with a cork in it and half. What are the odds? The odds are about 50-50. Yeah, it's going to be white. You want, <laughs> and if it's white, you just use the stuff that you drank the night before and didn't finish. Yeah. And uh, and that I think you know there's a there's an old line um, that you would don't cook with something you wouldn't drink. But right. by, by the same token, also don't cook with really expensive wine because it's just yeah. it's not going to show. Yeah, that, that's actually not tr- that, that that saying was popular back when a lot of wine in the U.S. market was really cruddy wine. Yeah. And these days, even the yeah, least even expensive the bottom wines shelf stuff is, are is commercially totally, stable, yes, perfectly drinkable stuff. Except for that two-buck that, uh, what's her name's boyfriend brought. That's right, the yeah. one that her boyfriend brings for dinner. But you can totally cook with it. I well, think that that's the answer to that question. Yeah. Oh, you brought cooking wine. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then for dinner, I think we'll have this nice Chardonnay that I got. Yeah. I think that solves the problem for her nicely. Yeah, yeah. 
All right, uh, we have uh, we're kind of running out of time here, which uh, because we have so many more. But I do want to get to this this question because I think this is also useful for those who care. This was from Anae uh, from Walnut Creek, and she says, "What has more calories, beer or wine?" Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we we actually looked this up. We we did some research. I know it's it doesn't seem like us, and, and here's the two things that we understood. <laughs> We found that uh, that there's actually uh, alcohol has seven calories per gram, and right. uh, whereas carbohydrates, that's sugar, only has uh, a four. So when we're talking about wines, the higher the alcohol, the wine, as opposed to a sweet wine, the right. higher alcohol wines right. will have more. Right. So those are your high end wines, but as it turns out, there's still more in most beers, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and you know, depending on the size, and you know, so you can get in those high alcohol beers. And then you're really and you're really up there, but but there's generally a ten to fifteen to twenty percent. You hear people talk about beer bellies, and you don't hear them talk about wine bellies. No, well, they will talk about wine belly acres. (laughs) They are an entire (laughs) different class, um, and they are really they're kind of annoying. Um, But uh, they uh, so you know there's another thing too, and 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 there was when we we answered this last time, we went back and and found a guy who who studied from the Mayo Clinic who studies. These sorts of things. He said you also got to remember too that there's very more often when people drink beer they eat worse foods. Well, and not only do they they eat maybe not worse but more fattening foods. But then the other side of this is people who drink wine with dinner or serve wine with dinner may actually relax a little, may have an extra portion of something because. Oh, we we that's uh, the other side of that. We too. actually uh, we had a study not so long ago that says your appetite goes up. Yeah. Uh, well. We hope that in us answering these questions— Your you, appetite has gone up for more Rick and Paul. For more Rick and Paul. Um, although if you, know, if you had more the— More Rick, maybe what they, less What they Paul. call in the hot dog eating world, uh, reversal of fortune, we would understand that one too. <laughs> in any case, that is it for our anniversary round of Bottle Talk with Rick and hip, Paul. Hip, hooray. Our engineer is Matt Pacini. Thank you, Matt, for Thank a you, year's Matt. good work. And for sticking with us. Thanks to Capital Public Radio for sticking with us as well and allowing us to use their studios. If you'd like to ask us a question, go to rickandpaulwine.com, all one word. And uh, we think that uh, we want to thank everyone who has listened to us. What are you uh, drinking for even the once? year's anniversary? Um, uh, I don't know, wine. Bubbly. <laughs> yes, there you go. If you learned anything today, we hope it's that when you ask a question to us, you're rolling the dice. <laughs> but we love them, so please keep asking. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. And remember, the best wines you drink are with friends. Or with us. Especially with us. 